0: Hi, and welcome to this podcast with me, Geeta Joshi, and today I am talking to Snowden Flood. Welcome, Snowden. Hi, Geeta. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Good. Um, so we're, here we are at your shop at the OXO Tower, which is absolutely lovely. Thank you. But I wanted to, for us to talk about all sorts of things, how you got here and,
1: um, you know, also your work with Just a Card. So yeah.
0: tell me, where did you train originally?
1: Well, I went to, I did um, my foundation at East London College, opposite Whitechapel Art Gallery, and then I went to Humberside because I wanted to do sculpture and printmaking. And you could work in those days you could work a lot with industry, like ship builders were still in oh, existence. Yeah. And then I went to I got a scholarship to go to New York and so I took a year out and worked at the South Bank Centre in the press office. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Parsons School of Design in New York. And sorry, that was for a year? Well, no, that was a two-year course, but I have an American passport, so oh, okay. I stayed there for ten years. <laughs> no way! Really? Yeah, I didn't realise you'd spent that much time yeah. out there. Yeah, I loved it. And Just what say. were you doing there? Well, when I when I first left, um, I did loads of different things. So, but when I first left college, I worked as a practicing artist, so I had a studio in Brooklyn, and then I worked at the Brooklyn Museum concurrently and then really long story but I got involved in a loft development with my then husband and we lost loads of money we had a dodgy landlord it wasn't a legal live work so so we had loads of money to pay back and so I went out and got myself I gave up being an artist and went to get a proper job so I ended up working as a textile specialist for Peter Marino Architect Mm -hmm. and the He does all of the Chanel buildings. In those days, he did a lot of residential work, which was absolutely amazing because... So they'd be for sort of the owners of Chanel or things like that. And so then I sort of... Essentially, travelled around the world to fairs like Maison et Objet, and um, also. So, hang on a
0: second. So, you were do, you were
1: his textile designer. So, does that
0: mean actually bespoke textiles for
1: his yes. interior projects? Yeah, or? I did two things. I did my title was textile specialist, and uh-huh. so I did two things. I I helped to design textiles for our projects. I bought. No, I did three things. I bought antique textiles. He's an amazing collector of antique textiles, right? And my mum had worked for Harley Magazine for ages, so I I went out and I bought antiques from for our collections at auction and from around the world, and then I also used those antiques and to make new textiles from so then I might work with mills oh, in Belgium or something like that to produce fabrics um, or, or weavers in Laos or I mean it was really money no object for That's a lot of our amazing. projects it wasn't it was an amazing job on the one hand it was a really hard place to live he's really known for having a kind of revolving door policy of not being an easy okay, person to work for yeah. like, like imagine the devil wears Prada, a bit like mm. that like a, somebody who's going to scream at everybody all the time but amazing facility for working on anything you know you just the the level of quality and care so it, i i just thought wow.
0: and then was that textiles for all different surfaces as well like upholstery to lampshade covers
1: yeah so I mean essentially the, our kind of clients were, were god forbid they'd have anything off the shelf so you you know they, they obviously they did occasionally have things off the shelf <laughs> but mostly they're wanting that level of of client they're wanting something that's so unique to them that's why they've gone to Peter Marino so we might do so for instance something like Chanel so a lot of the things used in Chanel I went to a really weird fair in Germany. Mm-hmm. I just had my Peter Marino Amex gold card and I'd go off to, i say to Peter, hey, there's a, a technical textiles fair in Germany. This could be really good for some of our commercial projects. So then I get there and always really stressed because I'd be kind of like, I'd, I've, you know, gone there on a, Flown from New York on a Friday, worked all weekend, I'm expected back in the office on a Monday, and I better bloody have something good to show them. (laughs) Like, and I was kind of like, oh my gosh, this is where all the textiles are. Like, we make, uh, cladding for the inside of pipes and it's not sold it's not sold by the meter it's sort of sold by the mile or something oh, like that wow. you know those sort of people are all like the people who manufacture dental floss or or things like that or fire retardant things but some of the things that I found were amazing they're like things like woven glass fiber that we that looked exquisite and then lots of carbon fiber and so we went on with our, with some of our new suppliers, we did lots and lots of things for the Chanel stores made of um, woven... They, we kind of had them woven into almost the Chanel plaid and then we would oh, coat yeah. them with resin um, on boards for panelling. So like when you walk into Chanel stores that Peter's done, you wouldn't necessarily think, wow, there's textiles everywhere. They, they don't seem like textiles, mm-hmm. but it, it's sort of subliminal that there's a lot of echoing going on of her, of the Chanel look and the brand and the brand yeah. in the fittings it's very clever or, or like I had lots of things um made in the Philippines in woven banana fibers and abaca fibers that were then laminated to glass so again so lo- lots of things like that but that but that which sounds really different from my work but it actually it really informed my my sort of attention to quality yeah. and my hatred of really crappily made things. So is that
0: how that moved on then? So when did you leave Peter to start your own work?
1: Well, I ca- I moved back in 2000 and I carried on working for him for a while. So, so, for instance, they, they still would need people to go to... Um, Auction houses, buy textiles. You know, go to visit projects. We had projects in mm-hmm. London, so um, go and do things. And I and I also worked for other architects and interior designers. So I sort of broadened out what I was doing. I so I worked for Studio Reed, and I still work for them sometimes. So we might do do sort of custom, special printed custom silks for a project in Amman or Kuwait or, or right. London or something. So that that's still an, a bit of an invisible part of my work. Oh, yeah, so I really still is. do do that. Um, and uh, I don't show that at all. But, um, but yeah, I guess like all that time that I was working there, that I'm working very, very closely with... With other makers and manufacturers. So I might go to Belgium and work on a sort of woven silk and linen carpet for somebody that we're Mm. doing or, um, but, but actually jumping around a bit, even when I was at college, I love, I've always loved um making so like when I was at college in Humberside a lot of my work I made things in steel and glass and and I would go to shipbuilders and then I visited British Steel I went to Pilkington Glass I did I did loads of things like that and so I think so So what was it about that like is it because some of those things are quite hands hands hands-on aren't
0: they and they're quite tactile and others are more of a constructive process right I mean,
1: yeah, I mean, I'm really, I, I'm really fascinated with how things are made. And I think that's probably why I like sculpture. I like, mm. I like making things. I don't, I'm not particularly great at making things, which is probably why I love to work with, other makers, sure. so so I'm working with with you know when I decided to do ceramics, I wanted to work with somebody in Stoke on Trent because I knew that that's where the best ceramicists yeah. are. So I'll go up there. I mean, I think I I always was really frustrated when I was a child because I'd sort of think, oh well, I'll make a dress or I'll make I always made things and I'd be really you know sobbing over the how bad the dress was <laughs> that I'd made age six. You know, so actually, if you have the if you work together with somebody then you can make something unique and that's still your own (laughs) working with these amazing people and it's it's sort of a collaborative thing that that I really like that and so I loved that so is that where you are um you have your mugs and ceramics made now yeah yeah I I've always worked in Stoke and I think that also that came out of being in in New York too of kind of coming back here and looking for Mm. here in London and looking for souvenirs and gifts and things like that and Just thinking, I mean, in those days, in the 90s, when I'd come back here, I think all the souvenirs are made in China, they're all really crap. You know, people weren't, the internet hadn't really got going. People now, the competition's fierce because everybody even in their sort of foundation year, sets up at like, oh, I've got a business doing ceramics, you know, but in those days, that was considered very unusual, you know, people were sort of like, you're doing ceramics, have you trained in ceramics, and people almost cross about it, you know, they're like, well, how dare you do ceramics, how dare you do all these things. It is actually, it's such a different environment
0: now about people starting their own businesses and you know, people sort of getting interested in art, or you know, if they like put down their artwork, having you know graduated ten, fifteen years ago, and they pick it up again. Yeah, they'll, they'll very quickly you know create an Etsy shop or an online yeah, presence. it's, it's great. Um, yeah, so they've is. got
1: places to go out and show. Find the market. Yeah, I mean, you look at somebody like Lisa Congdon, who I who I love mm-hmm. in in Portland, and she's an untrained artist. She's phenomenal, and you but. But uh, I'm not sure, you know, could she have got out there in the same way without the internet? Probably not. You know, yes, as talented yeah. as she is, but, you, uh, you know, she was selling on Etsy, but very, very, you know, just, just, just was a brave, a brave maker who put herself out there, consistently put herself out there. Yeah.
0: Um, I think, I mean, there's still like, you know, I still come across people that are, um, that question that actually like you know because really that's all you need to do right is sort of be bold enough to have an internet presence and mm. you know get on whatever that is social media or your Etsy shop but people are still like coming to me thinking oh well I haven't quite you know I didn't do an art degree I'm self-taught or I didn't um, you know I don't know I didn't go to particular
1: art school and all these things that, that hold them back and it's their own That's their out uh, their sort of imposter syndrome. Mm. Because like I when I started my um business, I I I think I'm so blessed that I had a relationship with New York and lots of designers in New York because actually the imposter syndrome in me is huge. And and I definitely felt I, I mean when I I first took some samples over to New York and they were textile samples and I showed This um, woman, Joan Pope, who... develops ranges for barneys new york which yeah. is a project that peter marino architects had designed barneys new york and okay. um and the the other one in um california and um anyway i showed joan and she she sort of said oh wow this is a range this isn't just textiles i see these on mugs and plates and things like that you know what you should think broader and um and i was very sort of like you yeah, know well i could sell them at markets and she was like no way you you're crazy you 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 know, you think bigger because you, you, you worked at Peter Marino. You, you've worked on a much bigger scale. Why are you going to do it in the market? And, but my, st- my approach was sort of very like, oh, they're probably not very good, but, and, and everyone in New York, they, it, that's very native to Britain. Yeah. But in New York, when you speak like that, people are like, why are you showing me then? Like, wow. if it's not good, don't waste my time with it, you know. And they're really <laughs> kind of like, don't say that. It's, it's, it's brilliant, good. isn't it? It's yeah. such
0: a different, I mean, it is really refreshing actually talking to Americans about that, how bold and um, how much conviction they have in their work from,
1: you know. And sometimes that's really is. irritating because you'd be like, you know, when I first moved there, I kind of was really, really bowled over by that but in the 90s because it was grim here you know it's Thatcher Britain and sort of like you know you as an artist here i, I was really struggling after i left left college and uh, thank goodness i was working at the south bank centre so i had a good job but to mm-hmm. be an artist that just seemed impossible and you know all, all the openings they they were called Private views, and like you had to know people, and like if you' just uh, got to come out with a degree from from Hull, you know like who who do you know in london they don't know anyone and everybody and and they're all kind okay. of like, "Oh, you know, you want to go to a show at Carsten Schubert, and they're like, oh have you got a ticket to come in and then I moved to New York, oh, and they're like they're not even called private views they're openings, everyone can come it's open to everyone mm. and they're, and and what I noticed was that people instead of that British thing of people sort of saying, like, oh, I'm not really very good at the piano, you know, actually being a virtuoso, there, they were the opposite. They'd be like, I'm amazing at the piano. And then you'd find the, like they could hardly play. <laughs> just sort of like, so I think, I would say aim somewhere in the middle, yeah, you know. Sure. And uh, it's funny, though, isn't it? But I think, yeah, that, that kind of impostery thing. I mean, when I started my business, I I felt like... I came from an art school background and I used mm-hmm. to say all the time, Well, I'm not really a designer. And then people would say, Why are you saying that? You've got a whole range of projects uh, products. And I'd say So well, what did you
0: start with? Did you start with the fine art when you came back to the UK and you were starting your own business
1: and I started just... with what I started with were laser cut leather cushions. Oh, and so wow. I took an embroideries. And so those are the things that I showed um Joan in New York Mm -hmm. and um so I developed this technique of bonding um of laser cutting leather and bonding it together and I had these extremely expensive cushions that I was um selling online I had I had a website and um, my friend built me a website and um and then I got some embroideries made in India with one of the uh, hand embroiderers that I had worked with at yeah. Peace Merino. And um and then I thought I kind of went I went to the Museum of London or I was sort of somewhere and I was looking back at I was thinking about what Joan Pope had said about, about having a range and then I saw this plate that was a um it's a plate from 1697 or something and it's the tower of london on a plate and i was think and i had this huge collection already of souvenir um things from new york i lo- i love oh, yeah. souvenirs and um <sighs> so it kind of it was like a lot of different things came together and so i was thinking a lot of what my collection was were plates because in america in the sort of 30s and 40s and 50s people weren't They didn't travel outside of America. There was like they just traveled to different states. And so they made these amazing souvenirs of places. So anyway, so I had this big collection and I was like, wow, that's like there's a massive tradition of people putting putting buildings on plates and mugs that's souvenirs and so like what an amazing legacy that is so I kind of thought well I'll do that with my product so and then you had your own much more modern visual language yeah exactly so so I I wanted them to be something that people really wanted to have like not the opposite of what you think of as a souvenir so not tacky piece of crap but like something that you actually was like fine dining and you
0: actually really wanted to have yeah that's what I was going to say because they're actually you know properly functional like as opposed to those ones you see in charity shops or exactly you know sort of the vintage ones which were meant to be probably
1: displayed on but on some the ones are some of them i mean some of my american ones are fantastic really beautiful you know and they were i don't think they were ever crap i think they were oh. like properly lovely I don't know maybe not but I uh, I just like seeing them through my pink eyes. So the cushions goggles.
0: led you to plates The cushions and led then?
1: Me to plates. Yeah, so then again I, I don't know if I was even using the internet much I, I, you forget I I probably yeah. was but um but I went I I emailed this the Chamber of Commerce in Stoke mm-hmm. and they sent me um, a list of all the people who I could work with, so I went up to Stoke and I just went round them all and talked to everyone Amazing. and um went on a little trip and then I found my company who I've worked with ever since, and um, That's so good that yeah, I love them and, and a lot of people like over the years, people would say to me things like um.' like other designers were like, oh, can you recommend your people? And then then they'd come back and they'd sort of say, oh, they're really expensive. You know, we can you, – you should go to so-and-so. They're cheaper. And, um, and I've – I don't know that I'm a particularly great businesswoman because I'd always think, like, I'm not going to shave off 5P mm. on a mug – and risk the relationship, the relationship is more important to me. So if I say to them, like, I I did a big job for um, Dorchester Hotels, so I had to do sort of 8,000 mugs for them. We were shipping them to – I designed some for them. I do some sort of corporate work for people. So I had to ship some to Russia, to Australia. They all have to get there by certain dates. And I know I can absolutely rely on them that what they're going to ship out – There's not going to be any seconds. I mean, occasionally we make a mistake, but on the whole, a a job like that, I could ship all the mugs, all the eight thousand mugs, to various parts of the world. They will get there on time. They'll be perfect, and Dorchester Hotel Group will be happy. So, like for the five p per mug, why am I going to waste that? And so, I'm I'm really loyal to them, and I just have, and actually. We're going to do some work together, cross-branded work. So, oh, right. yeah. So, I think, um, So, they have a design studio with in-house as well, do they? Well, they, they're amazing. I mean, the, the guy who set that up, um, their factory up, he was, um, a, he, he apprenticed to Wedgwood, um, mm-hmm. with, um, pen and ink. And so, he's a draw, a proper draftsman ah, okay. and, um, a real ceramics. Like, they're, they're amazing people like what they're doing for me is utterly wasting their talents like they, they can do anything really they they do some phenomenal but stuff I love
0: the story of you know like how much trust there is in that as well you know that relationship that's built up over time
1: well I think they it can. works both ways because they, they said to me recently you haven't done you know your London things are selling fine but you haven't done a new collection of London things so you should ditch those and do another one and I said oh do you think you know I'm just pottering along Not more focused nowadays on running my shop? And they they said, yeah, definitely. And I said, well, you know, I'm not selling wholesale in the way that I used to. Mm. So I don't really want to bankroll like 600 mugs in my warehouse. I don't, I just can't sell them fast enough. And they said, well, we'll, we'll bankroll you. We'll do it together because we really believe in you. And you, we've worked together for, you know, we've been together 15 years now. So, you know, so, so it does work both ways that we, we know each other well. It's a good working relationship. And that's, so I think like a lot of the kind of business, business advisors are like, you know, you go out there and you negotiate and I've just never done that. I'm kind of like, yeah, okay, that's what you want to be paid. You're worth it. Fine. We'll find a way to make it work. I'm sure there's
0: clients for everyone though, right? Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. So. So how has your style evolved over the years? Well... I would say that I have always had a very, um, a very kind of, um, silhouette-y style. I don't know how (laughs) else to put it. It's it's own ism, right? (laughs) Silhouettism.
0: (laughs) Silhouettism is my stuff. Profile
1: ism, yeah. But I think, I, I mean, I, I found the piece, um, a couple of pieces from, um, when I was at our college in New York um, doing my master's and um, they're surprisingly similar to what I'm doing now. Oh, I just wow. was working with um, cut out silhouettes mm-hmm. of um, Wedgwood and Chippendale furniture. So, and then I photographed it with little models I made of Wedgwood and Chippendale chairs. Um, so that I made a sort of perspective of like oh, black silhouette shadows of kind of like large armoires and cabinets with then little models that I'd made out of clay and Fimo in the, in the foreground. And it looks really similar to how I'm drawing now. So I kind of, it, I think in many ways, that that's but I, I but but you know I'm a bit ambivalent about my style because I think I have lots of different styles. Mm. I think um you know my artwork that I've been much more public about lately. I've always painted and drawn, yeah. but I've never mixed that in with my other work I've got I've got lots of different heads so I kind of feel a bit and there I have to be really careful about imposter syndrome there as well because I yeah. sort of think like you oh, know I'm a dabbler I you know I'm, I'm not doing very well at anything but I I kind of I just love doing lots of different things and so I I draw a lot of kind of like doodly, cartoony type things, mm-hmm. which I don't show anyone, but which weirdly everybody loves. Like uh, uh, all my family are like, these are great. You should do things with this. Aww. But they look so different from everything else.
0: I don't know. I, I to mean, have a nom de plume or something and put out a little you know, book of...
1: Yeah, sometimes Pictures I think I should have, like, eight different Instagram accounts and <laughs> just to do it. the shop, the oh, art. God. I don't know, like, how it, because I do sort of worry a lot that it's not, it isn't consistent. But I just try not to, my struggle is to, to just carry on doing what I like to do yeah. and not worry not sweat those details too much and
0: do you find time um every week every month to actually spend time doing the creative side because obviously a lot of the time you're in the shop and you're managing you know the online business and all of that
1: Production. I I really struggle with that I, I'm desperate I what well, in my dreams like a um a sort of business mentor or partner kind of comes along or both and uh and then that enables me to get really scheduled so I try to do that but I I um haven't I don't feel like I've done nearly enough creative stuff this year I've hardly oh, really? hardly done anything yeah I don't I mean, I have, but mm. I'm kind of, I, I mean, having a shop, I do, I love my shop, but I'm also feeling like I need to feed my shop with products. Yeah. Whereas, um, so it's not the same. It's like a totally different mindset of being an artist where you just can sit down and be like, la, 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 I don't care where this is going to go. Yeah, it it I'm here for the is, journey. And it, and it's not like that in a shop, that people are saying to me constantly, oh, we love these lampshades, we want this. Can you do this? Or So I think... I don't know. I haven't got the balance quite right there. Mm-hmm. I'm doing too too much other stuff. And then, yeah. what about just a card as well? Because you're quite active on that campaign, along with Sarah
0: and our other friends.
1: Well, yes. I mean, it's a great message, isn't it? It's um, it, it's. Uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not in her regular team of people sure, yeah. who help her, but I'm I'm always really happy to get involved with everything. And I've got a big sticker in my door. I think it's. You know, Such a good campaign. It's a really good campaign because it's, it, it's, uh, I think, um, it, even as somebody who, who passionately believes in independence and that's the whole sort of ethos of my shop and the other people that I stock here, I'm looking for people that you aren't going to find sort of everywhere mm. else. They're kind of littler people. But e- even then, I still sometimes find myself kind of like buying too much stuff online and just thinking, you know what, I need to go to the local shops. You know, I don't always yeah. do it. I don't always practice what I preach. And I have to really think to myself, no, you know, it's Christmas. Like, go and don't yeah. just buy it all I know online. What you mean. Go I and- was um, at um, Crafty Fox, actually, oh, yeah. a
0: market a couple of weekends back. And... Um, Again, I just you know because I don't think we'd had that many markets through the summer mm. months. You know they kind of go a bit quiet uh, after about June, but it was lovely actually going out and seeing you know all these sort of, um, makers and you know sort of selling their work directly it's a really great turnout and quite a few had the just a card stickers and um, boards and things on their um, table so that was really nice to see but
1: I think we have to be really careful because like people like us who were going out and seeing a lot of things mm-hmm. it's really easy to be sort of like oh, oh I'm popping down to Crafty Fox to see what's going on and not buying any I still yeah. could go along and have chats with everyone and then all those makers have paid the money to be there and stood there all day, and they're just people like me and you rocking up and having a chat. How's it going? How's your summer going? And and actually then they've gone home with nothing or not very much. So I'm still kind of thinking to myself, like, mm, yeah, you know, I haven't, you know, I've I've got to buy a card. And that's yes. where the Just a Card thing is really brilliant. It's like, oh yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me, Just a Card. <laughs> it's <laughs> like I, I'm the last person that should be forgetting that I've got a shop but no. it's true you know. it
0: is yeah and it's great actually because quite a lot of them were selling cards and you know yeah. all the very small sort of whatever it is right a bro or a pin and things
1: yeah. as well so that was really cool and you always need that's why it's yeah. a good no thing Is you, you moving, always need a cards don't you so <laughs> so yeah I think it's it's a really good nudge because it's just too easy to go out and 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 have that I mean all, all day every day like y- yesterday in my shop <laughs> I'm being very honest yesterday in my shop lots of people came in everyone said it's so lovely in here do you know what I made four pounds oh, well gosh. lucky that I'm not just a shopkeeper and that I'm doing loads of other things yeah but if, if someone really want to chat you know and it, that's kind of like oh you know what well, I, I really struggled to get enough work done today for four pounds yeah. L- lucky that I'm working on a couple of other things because otherwise it's no way I you could can pay see why rent. more and
0: more our businesses actually go online as well yeah. you know for this because that's a uh, yeah that's about, that
1: makes sort of um, having a you know paying a rental on a shop even more difficult. Oh yeah, that's it? really hard. Like, so so that's it's just that mindset of like oh I'm going to pop into all those shops. It's such a lovely experience, and that's where just a card is a good thing. Yes. Yeah, just brilliant. like no, make it a lovely experience and buy something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go home with something yeah, lovely, right? They won't be there otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah.
0: So we're in your shop and I'm looking around and there's quite a lot of these lovely um, illustrations can you tell me a bit more about them, and I will put a couple of pictures
1: to them in the show notes as well. Oh, lovely! Yeah, they're um, they're paintings. They're, well, they're prints, limited edition prints from my original paintings, and that um, I think I said earlier that I haven't really ever shown that in my business ever before. So um, most of them are kind of inspired by architectural interiors, or mm-hmm. particularly staircases. I yeah, really I love see that. Staircases. <laughs> so I really like structure. Um, Um, so I've got, um, for London Design Festival, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be showing the original paintings, um, here, having a little pop-up of of the paintings. So definitely come along on the 19th of September, I don't know. And are they, Um, um... are they bigger or are they I mean... no some of the paintings are tiny oh right yeah okay. so I've printed them all in the the um limited edition prints uh-huh. they're just short run giclee prints okay. um they are all a4 but um but the paintings some of them are really small in like a six I think no oh, all. yeah cute. some of them are tiny and some of them are bigger so some are A3. Summer, yeah. So it'll be a big range of, um, of sizes. And they're, they're in an exhibition at Kobe and Teal in Froome in Somerset at the moment, at the moment as moment. well. Oh, yeah, fair. a couple of them. The paintings, not the prints. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, that's definitely something that I want to do more of.
0: And um, do you uh, sell your paintings
1: online
0: on your website as well as, you know, things like your lampshades and plates? No,
1: that's a really interesting question. Only the prints, um, huh. not the paintings. Maybe I should start selling the paintings. Maybe. Genius idea, Gita. Mm. Well, certainly when you get them back from Froom, right? Yeah, that's true. That it good. never occurred to me. But I've got a real split in my brain of kind of like, this is the business and painting is so like and what I your do. On my website, you, do you only sell your own um, designs?
0: Because I know in the shop, obviously, you sell a I few, do other, have people a few as well. other people. I a few other people.
1: Yeah, no, on my website, you can buy other people's things, but oh, okay. not, uh, not everything. So it's, um, it's, it's mostly, yeah, I mean, I just have, because it's, because it's gifts, then sometimes people want to, you know, I don't know, they want to pad it out. I don't know. I always sort of thought, like, maybe my own things weren't, like, enough. And that, Like, Aww. if it was Mother's Day, you might want to send somebody a, a mug and a bar of chocolate or something, you know, from amazing pump street bakery or something like that and that works pretty well so people i mean m- m- the majority of it online sales are my things i don't yeah. often sell other people's things online but sometimes they do
0: so i mean i think that's also just a place if somebody's been in the shop and then they go away and they do want to look at it online exactly. they can see more of what they experienced in
1: exactly i guess right yeah and i sell um i mean one thing we haven't mentioned at all is why i sell antiques um so well that's um that sort of links in with um souvenirs i think as well and also the fact that i'm a a inveterate buyer of um of and collector and so i've or constantly going to fairs okay. and auctions and buying my house is literally filled with stuff. And, um, and so my focus for the shop again, it's gifts. And so my focus for my shop is if I think about how I want people to come along to my shop and to find something um, that's just unique and beautiful and that they didn't Mm. expect to find and that's sort of a souvenir of their trip and I think for me when I'm going abroad sometimes I'm always going to check out if there's flea markets on wherever I go or auctions wherever I am I'll always that'll be like the thing I would look at before restaurants and things like that like (laughs) is there an auction in the local town that I can go to but, um, so I mostly focus on I I, I tend to focus on manufacturing that doesn't exist anymore, so sort of you know, silver from Birmingham and things like that, like oh, okay. really good things that were decimated by Mrs. Thatcher that, um, that no longer exist. because it that to me also that sort of makes a lot of sense with my own products and how they're made and that focus on making of like really yeah. good quality British making that they might not be able to buy elsewhere. So it's that's a kind of rolling,
0: rolling smorgasbord. Is it mostly, things. um, ceramics and
1: silverware that you? No, it's um, all kinds of things. Your I mean, oh, I'm no, really drawn to, to ceramics and silverware, I have to admit. But, um, no, it could be anything jewellery, little brooches, and, um, I've got, I had a whole collection of pencils that I bought recently of the, um, they were sort of commemorating different royal, ev- I am so not a royalist, but sometimes <laughs> I buy them. They were quite cute. They're like little sets of pencils, kind of commemorating, coronations and things like that that people went wild for I wish I had like a hundred more of them because they all went immediately but um I really I
0: love art deco but I think that's really nice yeah. actually because a lot of these products um well rather the antiques are the things that then sort of inform your own styles as well yeah you know, it's so it's all feeding interest.
1: through mm. and so I, I mean I really love art deco and the 20s and 30s design and I think that yeah so like but you can tell my brain's all over the place. So that that links in with your question about my style. So like I really like that but I don't want to be sort of derivative or or really nostalgic. I don't want to make posters that look mm. like they were made in the 20s. Yeah. I'm not interested in that. But and I'm not trying to look like I'm in the 1920s, but sometimes when I draw things, they do. So I've got some sort of prints of ladies that people say, oh, they're so Art Deco, and they that's probably a bit more self-consciously Art Deco, But but, um, but yeah. And my textiles are all... Yeah the textiles. Well the textiles I worked with they I that was a bit like when I worked for Peter Marino because Mm. I worked with um a historical textile archive. Ah okay. um, So they're all documents and um mostly from the 20s and um so they'll have kind of black and white paintings of patterns that you can take as your starting point and so I worked with them
0: um oh and then you fill in your colors
1: yes but I mean and more than that you have to like make it a repeat and change the scale and um take out the bits that don't work and yeah so you kind of redesign them and make them but they're they're really nice so I I licensed um some of the designs from them for life and then made them my own and presented them at Decorex. So and so that was really interesting because that's sort of like going full circle and back into interiors yeah. again. So, um, but When did you do Decorex? I did Decorex last year. I'm not doing it this year. I did it with Design Nation mm-hmm. um, on a group stand and that was... Oh, OK. Yeah, so that... Um, but I made some really good contacts and I want to kind of really carry on yes yeah. so i'm going, to, going back working with interior designers again um to make more textiles and which is something that i already was doing anyway a bit right <laughs> but nobody knew I because at
0: the moment your textiles appear on what cushions, cushions. um fabric around the lampshades. lampshades they're the main things right no
1: laptop paper? cases oh yes um pencil cases Else. Oh, yeah. t
0: oh, but they're different, actually, the oh, T-Tiles, yeah, aren't different.
1: they? Yeah, that's it. So um, that's it for now. But, um, yeah, so they've been... So what would be an
0: ideal client for your textile, like, you know, the interior textile projects?
1: Oh, I'd say somebody like, um, well, any of the people... Um, Well, anyone actually, really, who loves, um, who loves colour and pattern, but, but probably, realistically, probably the slightly more luxury ones because Mm -hmm. they're, um, you you know, they're not, where they're not necessarily buying everything off the shelf. They're just, I like, I'd like them, you know, to be somebody who's kind of making, their own tweaks and um, you know, maybe like like imagine doing sort of something like um the um those Pullman trains that you see. I have you seen that. them? They're sort of 90 it's a beautiful nineteen twenties train and it's kind of cost something. Um, it goes to Paris or something. Yeah, and it, costs, seen it it's I looked it up the other day. Um, and because uh, it went, I, I'd never heard of it before, but the train track goes behind my doctor's um, office and I was in the doctor and I we were like, oh, my God, look at that train. It's amazing. And she said, oh, yeah, it's the Pullman. And I looked it up and um it's just beautiful. But the tickets are sort of five hundred pounds for lunch. Down to Kent and back again. You're like, who's going to spend that? Well, it's a
0: day out, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I've seen
1: that. Yes, it is. It's down to Kent. Oh my God. God. But, um, but I'd love to do something like whoever designed that. It's, Mm. you know, a re did it. Absolutely beautiful. Um but yeah, and hotels and things like that, oh yeah, lovely, lovely. i like I like a good,
0: I members' clubs as well right? exactly that's the same sort of thing
1: where it's you know quite design focused often isn't it? yeah, I'd love to work with but, people like that. I find it i mean i'm just I'm struggling for that's where doing everything, trying to do everything yeah kicks you in the gut because you're just like, oh my gosh, and you know, I need to actually focus on one of those things and go out and do it okay what are you going to do yes I do want to work with those people then go and talk to them all instead of finding them yeah yeah, because that in itself is is the work
0: right because often that is just often starting the conversation it's like you know when I'm looking at um places to have an exhibition you know it's like well I'm finding the venue but I need to start that conversation I've got the artists sort of who I'd like to work with Putting that idea forward, you know, and, and it is. Yeah. It's not just like yes, here you go and here's some money. Ever no, you know, it's an ongoing conversation that goes for months before it is. some dates are finally put in the diary and we've got yeah. something to walk
1: towards. To but on. that's like that, like what I was saying about the, the factory that I work mm. with for ceramics. If that you that that all that foundation of of kind of a relationship. Is, is so much more than just like, oh, can I hire you a space for my exhibition? Mm. You know, actually, you need to rely on them that they're they're going to do the things that they said they were going to do, and and the artists too, and that all takes so much energy. It's not, yeah, <laughs> and That's so it thing. is with like new clients, and you know that it's. I found, I mean, with Dor- that, that the projects that I did for Dorchester Hotels, that was four years in the making before all of that no came way. off. Yeah, and um, and so, you know, some of the other people that I work with, some of those, you know, I'll have spoken to them back and forth for about two years before they actually send me a proper order. Mm. It's, it doesn't just happen like, woohoo, I go out and get it and the money comes rolling in. I wish. No, it's all. <laughs> and all
0: that other work as well, like, you know, some of what I do is like, it's you know, putting ideas forward for, you know, things that we know have budget. Yeah. But then, oh, then it goes to somebody sees it, and then there's a committee, and then there's a decision, and then it yeah. might, you know, still involve some back and forth before something, yeah. you know, comes And then you're exhausted bit, or, when yeah, it comes <laughs> back. Like, what was it we actually pitched six months ago? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, brilliant. Well, thank you, cool. Snowden, so much for your time. It's been lovely talking to you. Thank um, you. Where can people find you online?
1: Well, they can find me at um, snowdenflood.com. And they can come and join me on Instagram, Snowden Flood, or Twitter, Snowden Flood. Or Facebook, Snowden, Flood Design, or Pinterest as well. And if they wanted to find you in the real world even, where would they visit? They should come to the Oxo Tower. I'm Unit 101 Oxo Tower. So I'm on the first floor. We're facing the river, looking at all the little boats going past. And the Oxo Tower's a funny one because it's a fantastic building that you can see as you walk along the river. But... They've got sort of like slightly unappealing stairs at either end and with not great signage. Mm -hmm. So we've got great landlords who are working really hard for us, but they've got a million other things to do and signage is not their thing. So people forget to come upstairs they forget to come upstairs so there's three sets of stairs so people worry about like oh if i go over up those stairs then i have to double back on myself and come down again no you don't you can come (laughs) up and and go down some different stairs on and continue on your way to the tate and there's a whole
0: community of other um designers makers galleries and shops along here as well so there's some great
1: people come and see lots of things and for lunch we and this year i don't know when your podcast is launching but um It's we've got London Design Festival Mm -hmm. here, so some of it it's a huge thing um, all around here. So there's going to be some fun events. Oh, the 15th to something of September. 15th the, the, to the 20th or something like something that. Something like it? that. Or 22nd, and I think, is that Sunday? Yeah, and yeah. the big opening night um, for a lot of the events around here is the 19th. Mm-hmm. So then I'm showing paintings, my original paintings, architectural paintings. And I've got um, another um, artist, Katie Powell, who is a paper cut artist. And she is. Um, Showing her little paper. She does really lovely little, um, little, they're sort of like little building fronts in frames and things like that. Okay. So she's got, I'm a South Londoner, so she had a lovely one of the Ritzy and Dreamland Margate. And they're sort of like tiny little, little sort of building or signs or things like that. They're really, I really like okay. them. They're really cute. They're like little souveniry things. So, um, but. You'll no. be showing them for Design I'm Week. Showing them for Design Week, yes, and hopefully some other people as well. I don't know. I'm gonna got to And I like to do everything last minute, okay. and, uh, just <laughs> to keep it keep it stressful. So yeah, maybe some other people as well. <laughs> 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 It'll all be amazing.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Thank you, Snowden, well, so much for coming you. on the podcast. And for um, yeah, me. yeah, it's been great talking to you. Well, you too. Thank you.